0: Need a couple of helpers, um, brother um, Brian. If you can come help me, and um, brother Raymond, can you come help? I just need you to pass out some papers. If you want to take this side, and then oh, we also have pens. Anybody need a pen? Let let them know. Thanks. And then um, brother Julius, yeah, brother Julius, would you take this down for me? Down there, small group. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. I'm kind of excited. This is um, we talk about the fruits of the spirit, new beginnings class. So I'm getting excited. We're going to start a new class pretty soon here in August, and just think, I in. 45 minutes, I teach all of the fruits of the Spirit. So it's pretty awesome to have 30 minutes to be able to to teach on one of them tonight, so I'm excited about that. Okay, if you need a pen, Brother Raymond has extras. Okay, so tonight I'm gonna talk about long-suffering. This is probably one of the least favorite of the fruits of the Spirit. (laughs) This is probably one that many, many of us struggle with. And long-suffering is just another word for patience. But long-suffering sounds a little bit more dramatic, doesn't it? (laughs) Long-suffering. But sometimes patience, that's exactly what it means. You're suffering long. Okay, everybody got one? Okay, this is just a handout to help you take notes tonight. Okay, so we're going to go ahead and start where um, everyone has started in this series. Thank you, Brother Raymond. So Galatians 5, through 23, we'll take a quick look at that again. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering... Gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, and against such there is no law. So, like I said earlier, we're going to talk about long suffering, which is just another term for patience. All right. The word fruit here in Galatians 5 and 22 means to pluck or to take for oneself. Okay. So it's an actual. It's fruit, but it means to take something. All right. And as Brother Tim has already um, spoken about tonight. The fruits of the Spirit is an act of our will, okay? So if we want the fruits of the spirits, we have to take them for ourselves. When we receive the Holy Ghost, we're just not automatically given the fruits of the Spirit. You know, if you didn't have joy before you had the Holy Ghost, you're not going to automatically get joy after you get the Holy Ghost. You might be happier, but that fruit of joy is not going to come automatically. If you weren't patient before you had the Holy Ghost, you're not going to automatically be patient after you receive the Holy Ghost. That's a, a big misconception that a lot of people have. Those those fruits of the Spirit, we have to take them for ourselves with the help of the Holy Spirit. With the, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we must cultivate and grow the fruits of the Spirit in our lives. Anybody garden in here? Sister Vicki's not here, but a few of you. Yeah, so you gardeners know that you can't just plant the seed in the ground and expect the plants just to come up all by themselves right? It takes time and effort. You have to water the seeds. You have to weed the garden. You know, when the plants start coming up, you have to prune them. So there's a lot of work that goes into cultivating those seeds into mature plants that are going to produce some fruit or vegetables. So it's the same thing with the fruits of the spirit. We have to cultivate those fruits in our own lives with the help of the spirit. So the fruit of the spirit is really just the ability to have Christ-like reactions to the people and the circumstances of our lives. For example, love, which Sister Candy spoke of last week, is the Christ-like reaction to disagreeable people. Brother Eric spoke to us about joy last week, which is the Christ-like reaction to depressing circumstances. Long-suffering or patience which I'll be dealing with tonight, is the Christ-like reaction to difficult situations or difficult people. We sometimes think of patience as simply being um, able to wait, okay? If you think of someone who's impatient, you know, they're standing there tapping their feet, you know, ho-humming and, you know, looking around like, come on, come on. And that, you know, it does uh, refer to patience. Um, And that's certainly not a bad trait, to have patience when it comes to natural things of of waiting. Okay, hurry is possibly the greatest enemy of spiritual life in our day. Hurry can destroy our souls. Carl Jung wrote, hurry is not of the devil, hurry is the devil. (laughs) How many of you feel hurried a lot in your life? Okay, our world is just a hurried world. We're so busy doing so many things just like um, Brother Tim said. They thought technology was gonna slow things down and we could retire early, and really it's had the exact opposite effect. uh, The technology that we have now just seems to make us even more hurried and have less time to spend and to relax and to be with our family. So North Americans are often guilty of what psychologists call polyphasic activity, which is just a fancy word for multitasking. How many of you are multitaskers? Okay, I think women tend to be a little bit better multitaskers than men, but um, a lot of us do multitask. We're doing a lot of things at the same time. I was just the other or today I was washing dishes and trying to talk to the doctor at the same time, and then the band director called me, but I had to get the dishes done. I had to get dinner done, so I was doing a lot of things at one time. God is never in a hurry. Our God is not rushed. He's a patient God, and there's nothing that's going to cause him to hurry. He's in perfect control. He has everything under control. The word patience, as it's used in the New Testament, is not just the state of waiting or not hurrying. Rather, patience is much more. The word patience, again, translated long-suffering in the, the verse that we read, um, Long-suffering is the powerful capacity of suffering long under adversity. Suffering long under adversity. How many of you want to suffer long under adversity? It's not an enjoyable thing, is it? But sometimes that adversity that we have in our lives is long You know, there's some things that we have to endure that, you know, last a long time. And so patience and long-suffering is the ability to endure during those times. And so while we might not like it, it is necessary. Patience is the ability of bearing with either difficult people or adverse circumstances without breaking down. How many of you have dealt with a difficult person and you had a breakdown, okay? They wore you down and you lost it, okay? Long-suffering is the ability to not lose it but to, to remain in control. It's also the characteristic of tolerance for the intolerable, tolerance for the intolerable. It is a generous willingness to try to understand the awkward people or disturbing events that God allows to enter into our lives. God allows those events to enter sometimes just so that we can learn long-suffering. Okay, and it is also the powerful attribute of remaining steadfast under strain. Have you ever felt strain? Yeah, it's not pleasant, but through the, the Holy Ghost, and through the fruit of patience, we can have the power to withstand under that strain. First Corinthians 13, four through eight, and I didn't give them this, but I just wanted to read it real quick. This is the, um, the scripture that talks about love, which Sister Candy talked about last Thursday. Um, the, the scripture uses charity in place of love, so I'm just gonna substitute love there. Love suffereth long. Is kind, it envieth not, it vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, love never faileth. So kind of sounds like love and long suffering are a little bit alike, right? And Sister Candy told us um, last week that a lot of the, the, the other fruits of the spirit, you have to have love. If you don't have love, it's gonna be pretty hard to obtain the other fruits of the spirit. And it's especially true with long suffering. Okay, so now we're gonna get to your notes. So there are two Greek words that are translated patience in your Bible. They are very similar, but with slightly different emphasis. Okay, the first word is "hupamone." Hupamone. Okay, the word hupo means under, and moan is abide. Okay, so hupo is under, moan is abide. So this word expresses the idea of being under a burden for a long time without succumbing to suffering, and without becoming fearful or despondent, all the while abiding in the face of pressure. The second translation is macrothumos, macrothumos. Macro means long, thumos is anger. So the word is long anger, anger. This word expresses the idea of anger taking a very long time to build before it's expressed and being under strict control when or if it's ever expressed. This is the exact opposite of being short-tempered. You know anybody who's short-tempered? Okay, you don't have to say their name. You don't have to say if it's you. <laughs> okay. It's not denying that anger exists, but rather expressing it with restraint and without revenge. Have you ever been angry and you wanted revenge? Yeah. Okay, we've grown accustomed to hearing about angry out of control people in the news. But God has a better way for us to deal with our disappointments and our frustrations and our difficulties. His way is through the power of the Holy Ghost, which produces the fruit of the Spirit in us. This aspect of the the fruit of the Spirit called patience is really the supernatural ability to deal with ongoing suffering and frustration without succumbing to anger against God or against one another. Since we can't talk about patience without talking about anger, let's go ahead and talk about how to deal with anger. We're going to spend a lot of time here tonight. I found it funny at first. This was not the lesson I was supposed to teach. Pastor had assigned me another one, and then I went on vacation, so he had to kind of change them up, and I ended up with anger. And I thought, oh, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And boy, has he told me a lot (laughs) in the past two weeks. So I don't think he uh, – I think the Lord knew exactly what he was doing when he gave me this topic. So how do we deal with anger? The first way is we have to realize the cost of uncontrolled anger. We have to take a look at what it will cost us if we have uncontrolled anger. Anger is one of three survival responses that humans use to protect themselves from danger or harm. Our anger can make others afraid of us. And when others are afraid of us, we feel more in control which, in turn, makes us feel less vulnerable. It's very important that we understand that anger is always the second emotion in any experience. Anger is not our first emotion. When you're angry, there's something else going on. Okay? Anger is always the second emotion. For example, I sometimes get angry if I hear a loud noise or if someone startles me. I hate it when balloons pop. Like, I immediately get angry. But my first emotion is fear. When that balloon pops, I'm really afraid. Or when someone jumps out at me, I'm really afraid. But I get angry. I get super angry. Many of us have been hurt by people's words or actions, and our immediate outward response is anger. However, the initial emotion that we experienced was hurt. So the next time you get angry, stop and think. What's my first emotion here? Because it's not anger. The main role of anger, both physically and biblically, is to numb the emotion of fear. Whether it be the fear of rejection, hurt, shame, abandonment, disrespect, or criticism. And the list can go on. Have you ever wondered why you get so angry with those you love the most? I don't know about you, but they're the ones that make me the most angry. You know, there's a lot of people that can do me wrong <laughs> and it not elicit any anger. I can just let it roll right off my back, but let it be someone close to me in a close relationship. It's, an, it's a whole nother story. And it's because those closest to us, our family members, are the ones that we're emotionally connected with the most and the ones who have the most power to hurt us emotionally. I have received many compliments from my clients and co-workers and other saints about my ability to have patience in the midst of adversity. But I can tell you, my family has never complimented me on that. I almost feel like a hypocrite, you know? When people tell me that, I look around, I'm like, man, I hope my kids aren't around, (laughs) or my brother. (laughs) He would tell you the most, probably, Franklin. Glad he's not here tonight. Um, The reason that I don't receive those types of compliments from them is because I struggle with long-suffering the most when it comes to giving it to my family, those that are closest to me. And I am working on that. The Lord is dealing with my heart and has been. But it's easy for me to have patience with an irate client or a mean and crabby coworker because I'm not emotionally connected to them, and there is really little that they can do to harm me. But if I'm dealing with a crabby spouse or an insensitive teenager, now there's opportunity for me to have feelings, some feelings of rejection, Or feeling criticized or disrespected and those feelings can easily elicit a response of anger. God designed for all of our, designed all of our emotions including anger for our good, but we can choose to use our emotions in a negative way. Rather than using our anger to intimidate and to control others, we need to use our anger in the way God intended. We need to use our anger righteously. We need to use our anger in the right way. Anger is not sinful in and of itself. For the Bible tells us that God became angry, right? It talks about that several times with the children of Israel, right? And he gives us permission to be angry. But there's a condition, okay? And that condition is Ephesians 4.26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So we can be angry. He gave us that emotion, but we can't let that anger turn into sin. Righteous anger, good anger, or anger used rightly, is expressing our anger without sinning, and it gives us courage to fight and overcome injustice. David used his righteous anger against Goliath, right? That was righteous anger. Here was this giant speaking against the children of God, you know, and speaking against God, you know, thinking that he could just overcome the the children of Israel. Well, David's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He had righteous anger, and he used it to defeat Goliath. And Jesus used his righteous anger in the temple, just like Brother Tim told us tonight. I think we got a meme here. If anyone ever asks you what would Jesus do, remind them that flipping over tables and chasing people with a whip is within the realm of possibilities. (laughs) I thought that was cute. But again, that's righteous anger. We don't want to go around flipping tables with unrighteous anger, right? So be careful on that one. So righteous anger is controlled anger. What would happen if God used his anger unrighteously? None of us would be here tonight, I don't think. I don't think this world would be in existence. You know, we do a lot to make God angry, you know. Thank God he's a God of love and righteous anger. It's important to note that we can't control anger once the adrenaline rush comes in, right? By then it's too late, okay? We have to learn to control anger in advance. So how do we do that? We need to pray, just like Brother Tim said. We need to make sure that we're spending some time in God's presence every day and in His Word every day. That sets our day up to be a good day and to, to walk after the Spirit. And with His help, then it's going to be less likely that we're going to use our anger unrighteously. And we need to, you know, if, we, if you know you're going to have a tough conversation with your spouse or with your child, You know, pray about that. Be prepared and know that there's going to be opportunity for you to get angry. So be prepared for that in advance before you have those types of conversations. Some dictionaries point out that the old English word anger originally meant to choke or to strangle. (laughs) Sometimes this is what we would like to do to someone else because of our anger. I think we got a slide there. The Lord, please give me patience, because if you give me strength, I may just beat someone to death. <laughs> so that's, that's the old definition of anger, right? You just want to choke them. I don't know how many times I've gone like that to my children. I just want to choke you. But, <laughs> but what we need to remember is that that choking or strangling is what anger does to us personally. Okay? On the one hand, anger releases a rush of adrenaline that makes us feel powerful and can even temporarily overwhelm our pain. But on the other hand, unresolved anger can literally strangle us inside. Many studies have shown that consistently angry people are vulnerable to physical problems like ulcers, high blood pressure, heart attack, colitis, kidney stones, arthritis, gallbladder trouble, all that's related to angry or angry people consistently harboring that anger. So anger is linked to over 50 major illnesses in all. Isn't that crazy? According to doctors, such inner tension accounts for 60 to 85% of all sicknesses today. So when you swallow your feelings, your stomach keeps score, right? Whether angry is expressed through, whether anger is expressed through words and behavior or repressed through denial and internalizing, it's still damaging. Depression is defined as anger turned inward. Did you know that? I didn't know that. That depression is people who are depressed, it's because they're angry and it's turned inward. They've they've kept it inside of them. They kept it bottled up and eventually it's gonna blow up in aggression. So anger destroys normal human responses and the physical damage caused by anger is only exceeded by the spiritual harm it causes. Unrestrained anger is sin. Uncontrolled anger is sin. So there's five cases or five ways that you can tell whether your anger is sinful anger, okay? The first one is when your anger explodes quickly without time to think rationally, okay? When it explodes quickly without time to think rationally. Second way is when the injury that causes it is only imagined. Not real. So the injury that causes the anger is only imagined and it's not real. Anger is sinful when it is disproportionate to the offense committed. So it's disproportionate to the offense committed. So your child spills milk and you just scream. What are you doing? What's wrong with you? You might see that at restaurants where parents kind of are to the extreme. Okay, that's sinful anger. Okay, the fourth way that anger is sinful is when it is directed against the innocent rather than the guilty. It's directed against the innocent rather than the guilty. And the fifth way Anger is sinful is when it's prolonged over time and becomes revengeful. Okay, when it's prolonged over time and becomes revengeful. Proverbs eleven twenty nine. This is the Living Bible translation. It says, "The fool who provokes his family to anger and resentment will finally have nothing worthwhile left." There's always a price tag when you get angry and we can't afford it. Uncontrolled anger destroys relationships, and uncontrolled anger destroys families. I think, Krista, we have a... Okay, a moment of patience and a moment of anger saves you 100 moments of regret. I'd rather learn to control my anger than to live with regrets. Okay, so the second way that we're going to, to handle anger Is to reflect before reacting. Think before you react. And Krista's got another one there. Anger management. When angry with someone, it helps to sit down and think about the problem. (laughs) So notice he's sitting on the dog there. The person he's upset with. So don't sit on the person that you're angry with, but take some time to think. Think before you react. Proverbs 16.32, he that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Think about that. Think about what the word of God is saying. A person who is slow to anger is better than a mighty person. And he that ruleth his spirit is greater than one that takes a city. That's awesome. So the Lord looks highly upon an individual that is slow to anger. When you're slow to anger, that takes a lot of self-control, doesn't it? James 1, 19 through 20, wherefore, my, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. So our wrath, our anger doesn't solve anything. It doesn't fix any of our problems. It doesn't show God's goodness or his righteousness. So this slow to wrath, slow to anger is that definition that we looked at earlier, the macrothumos, which is long anger. That's what these two scriptures are referring to, the long anger. So patience is our defense against the frequent frustrations of life. Selfish, immature individuals who give themselves too many rights are constantly plagued with anger since so many of their rights are violated. And the Lord really spanked me with this one. So I found that this has been true in my own life, and it's been especially apparent in the last two weeks since I've been studying for this lesson I've realized that every time I've gotten angry in the past two weeks has been a result of me feeling that my rights have been violated. For example, I got angry at several careless drivers when I was driving to Florida and I had to drive to Chicago for a whole week for Frank, but there were so many careless drivers on the road. They were cutting me off. They were coming over in the lane too soon. They weren't obeying the laws, and I was angry. I found myself getting very angry. I think Stephanie might have been in the car with me once, too, to see that anger. But (laughs) I got angry at a customer service representative the other day who I didn't feel was taking her job very seriously, and she actually hung up on me. I think I don't know if she did it accidentally or on purpose, but I had been waiting over five minutes for her to get a simple telephone number and she hung up on me. So I was angry. I felt like she had violated my rights. She wasn't doing her job and taking care of me like I thought she should. I also got real mad at, uh, angry at Blake for not going to bed one night when I told him to, because I was super tired. I wanted to go to bed. So all of this anger that I had was a result of me feeling that my rights had been violated. Giving up our supposed rights to God and expecting fewer things to be perfect will result in less anger and greater joy in life. Because what rights do we really have? Right? I mean, we're, we're not... Doing things for ourselves, we're supposed to be esteeming others higher than ourselves and putting other people's needs before our own. So really, our rights, we don't have any. We shouldn't have any. Okay. Proverbs 29 and 11 in the Living Bible Translation says, A stupid man gives free rein to his anger. A wise man waits and lets it grow cool. Anger delayed gives it time to cool down. It's hard to do, though, to delay your anger, isn't it? You want to be quick with it. I want to be quick with it. But if we give it some time, it'll cool down, and it'll diminish. Thomas Jefferson said, when you're angry, you count to 10. And when you're very angry, you count to 100. Why? Because the longer you hold your temper, the more it improves. And again, remember that anger is always the second emotion in any experience. If you can reflect long enough to figure out the first emotion, you can deal effectively with the situation. Okay. So the third way to handle anger is to release our anger appropriately. To release our anger appropriately. We got another little picture up there. It says, love is caring for each other even when you're angry. So anger is a real emotion, right? But in the midst of our anger, we still need to act right. We still need to act Christ-like. So that little man, he's angry at his wife. They're angry at each other, but he's still caring for her. I thought that was cute. So let's look at Ephesians 4.26 again. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Being patient does not mean denying your anger. It means releasing it properly. Most people tend to release their anger in ways that take them farther from their goal than they were before they got angry. Okay, You may have experienced this within your own family. For example, have you ever gotten angry at your spouse, and when they tried to talk it out with you, you said, just leave me alone or don't touch me? And you really meant the exact opposite. You know you really didn't want them to leave you alone and... You know you really didn't want them to touch you. You really wanted them to give you a big hug. But yet the anger causes you to say these things that are completely opposite of what you really want and takes you farther from your goal. The goal is to be together and to be, you know, having a good relationship. But the anger causes you to say the opposite of what you want, and it pushes you farther from that goal of the good relationship. Or maybe you got angry with your child for disrespecting you, and you responded to their disrespect with uncontrolled anger, which in turn led them to have less respect for you. Right? It's kind of like a cycle. That your goal was for them to respect you, but your response of uncontrolled anger made them disrespect you even more. So it's like a cycle. So many psycholo- psychologists propagate a myth that says, you've got a bucket full of anger in your life, and if you'll just dump out the bucket, it will empty, and then you can be happy. They actually have developed techniques like ventilation and a primal scream, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, which allow people to mentally vomit and let it all hang out. So they think you just give this big, long, huge scream, you're going to release all of your anger. Okay. But the Bible lets us know that the human heart can produce an unlimited supply of anger. We don't have an anger bucket, we have an anger factory. And anger always causes more anger in others. We are all irritated by different things and we all release our anger in different ways. Some people are skunks. Everyone knows when they're upset. Others are turtles. They just pull back into their shell. So there's four possible ways to respond to anger. Three are wrong, one is right. So I'll give you the wrong ones first. So the first way to respond to anger is to repress it, meaning hold the resentment inside. So rather than letting it out, you hold the resentment inside. The second way to respond to anger is to suppress it, which means to pretend that the resentment doesn't exist. So whether you repress it or suppress it, both of those ways can lead to depression. Okay, so if you're repressing or suppressing your anger, it can lead to depression. The third way is to express it with uncontrolled negative reactions. The third way is to express it with uncontrolled negative reactions. It's important to note that just because you don't blow up, it doesn't mean you're not expressing your anger, okay? There's other ways. There's people who pout to express their anger. There's people who manipulate to express their anger. There's people who get cynical to express their anger. And you can even express your anger through addictions. Okay, the fourth way to respond to anger, which is the proper way, is to confess it. Okay, It's to confess it and to ask for God's help. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have to learn to take a minute to reflect upon why we're really angry and to be honest enough to express that underlying emotion before we react with uncontrolled anger. That's hard for some of us to do because the fear is wanting to cover up those emotions. Right? And so it's easier just to get angry. It's easier to point a finger and to feel powerful and in control rather than to feel those underlying emotions. If we're not honest and open about those underlying emotions, nothing will ever be resolved. It's not going to get resolved, and it's only going to get worse. It has been said that we need to feel to be healed. Okay. If we are constantly numbing our fear with anger, we can never be healed from the emotions that cause our fear. Okay. So the fourth way to handle anger is to repattern our minds. And I'm almost done. I am aware of the time. I thought it funny. I always think that brother Tim is a little bit long-winded. And my mom says I'm long-winded. And so you got two long-winded <laughs> speakers tonight. So I am almost done. Don't fear. Okay. So the fourth way to respond to anger is to repattern our minds. Romans 12 and 2 in the new living translation says don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think then you will know what God wants you to do and you will know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is so God knows his creation he knows us we need both abiding under hupomone patience and long anger macrothumous patience or life will make us perpetually angry about something. Long-term change in the heart of man does not happen through resolutions or through promises or self-help techniques. It can only happen through the power of the Holy Ghost Nothing else can transform the way we think and act. The Holy Ghost helps us to control our anger by dealing with the root cause, the real reason we are angry. Jesus can replace our hurt, our pain, our frustration, our fear, our sense of rejection, and our insecurities, all with his love. The Holy Ghost helps us control our anger by replacing it with the fruit of the Spirit called patience long-suffering. How? How does the Lord do that? How does the Holy Ghost do that? And Brother Tim already stole my thunder. Galatians 5, 24 through 25 says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So much of our life as disciples revolves around crucifying our flesh, doesn't it? We cannot be a disciple of Christ if we're not crucifying our flesh. It's impossible to have to pluck these fruits of the Spirit for ourselves if we're not crucifying our flesh and doing what God wants rather than what we want. When we deny our flesh and choose to respond to our fear according to the Word of God rather than with uncontrolled anger, it is then that we allow ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit which can then produce the fruit of patience in our lives. Romans 5, verse 15 and 5, the New Living Translation says, May God, who gives this patience and encouragement, help you live in complete harmony with each other, and and each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward other. So what this is saying here is the patience and encouragement that Jesus gives us will help us to live in complete harmony with one another. Not just a little harmony or, you know, so-so harmony, but complete harmony. So if you want harmony in your life, in your home, and in your marriage, then you need this patience that comes from the Lord. And the second half there says, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus toward other. So we have to have a Christ-like attitude It's not our attitude, our fleshly attitude, but it's the attitude that we have when we're Christ-like. In Colossians 1 and 11 in the New Living Translation, we also pray that you will be strengthened with his glorious power so that you will have all the patience and endurance you need. So it's through his glorious power that we can have the patience and endurance that we're going to need. Because we're all going to suffer those times, where we have, where we need the long patience. We're gonna have strains of life. You know, some of our trials are, you know, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, but there are other things, circumstances that come into our lives that we're dealing with for a long time. Some of you are dealing with circumstances in your life that have gone on for years and you need the long suffering and the patience that can only come from the fruit of the spirit to get you through so that you can remain steadfast in his love and in his truth so if we could all stand we're going to go ahead and and close and so if you if you are um if this kind of hit you in the between the eyes, like it hit me this week, and you know that you have some issues that, um, where you struggle with anger, if you just want to talk to the Lord about that right now and just let him know, Lord, I, I hear what you're saying to me, and I do see where I have uncontrolled anger in my life and those things that happen in my life that, that bring that out. And, Lord, I give that to you tonight. I repent of that. I give that to you tonight, and I desire your long-suffering in my life. Lord, we love you, Jesus. We are so thankful for your word that we have heard tonight, dear God. Your word about peace and long suffering, Jesus. We desire to live our lives according to your word, Jesus. We desire to crucify our flesh and to do things according to your word. For your word is perfect and it is right and it is true. And you're, you alone, dear God, can help us. It is through your spirit, dear God, that we can have peace and patience, Lord. We pray, dear God, that. That you would help us to be aware of those moments in our lives and the circumstances that causes us to be angry. Lord, we repent of those things tonight, dear God. Lord, we give you those underlying emotions. Lord, the next time those circumstances arise in our life, help us to stop and help us to think, what am I really feeling here, Lord? And help us to have the strength and the courage to give you those emotions and those moments, dear God, that you might heal us, that you might help us, dear God. Rather than express that anger and to hurt those that we love, dear God, help us to bring those emotions to you. For you are our heavenly father and you will heal us and you will help us, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight and we give you all of the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Jesus' name.